far enough then. Oh, there you go. Yeah, okay. That's better. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for coming down, bro. And thanks for helping me set all of this up. No worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you on this was because of your background in, like, music and guitar and everything. Right. How long have you been playing guitar for now? Um... God, I don't know how many years now. I guess I started around GCC, so I, probably around what seven, eight years almost. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm 25 now. I would have been about 16. Uh, what's the math? <laughs> actually, yeah. More, more, yeah, nearly nine years actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, nine years. Damn, that's somewhat late, isn't it? For... Yeah. I mean, so guitar. Yes, I started a bit later. Um, originally, actually, I started on piano slash keyboard. But because it's not really a portable instrument, I tend not to play it as often as I probably should. Okay. I probably have lost touch with it mostly. Um, guitar was just easier to carry around and play with and like yeah. up and just jam out with. So okay. I tended to just naturally move towards guitar when I picked it up. What made you start playing instruments? Oh, okay. Um, this is an interesting story, I guess. Um, it was... I guess parents pushing me um, at the start. Um, really? Yeah, which is interesting. Because um, in the Malu community... Yeah, 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 that's, that's what I was thinking. thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a like keyboardist that came um, from India and he came to where I live, uh, the town where I live, and he started offering like um, group lessons. Yeah. And my parents heard of it and was like, uh, they, they sent me and my sister, I think, maybe my younger brother as well, I'm not too sure. Um, so yeah, we, we, we went for these group lessons and I, I, I don't know what it was but he he noticed that i picked things up quite quickly yeah and like i remember him having that conversation with parents saying oh yeah he's picking up things quickly and he's quite good so from that conversation my parents were like okay maybe this is something we should explore more and then they started me sending me to like actual piano lessons where i had a piano tutor and we were doing like grades and like all of that yeah also learning the theory like the western theory behind it um so yeah that's how i picked up piano and then when it came to GCC, um, I picked up Jesus Music, um, GCC Music, and that's where, like, my passion kind of grew a, m a lot more. Okay. Did your parents do that with you quite a lot, where they allowed you, well, and your siblings, I guess, to explore, like, avenues other than studying, or uh, other than your studies, I guess? I think um, I was lucky with the music thing um, when we first started, but... As my passion grew, my parents were a bit worried because it started sort of infringing on my studies a lot more. And they were like, oh, like you're spending a lot of time in music. You should probably focus on studies, especially um, around GCC time. Yeah. Um, like it, even during like exam revision season, we were doing gigs and stuff. Um, okay. And that would involve me being out the whole day or the whole, even the whole night. Or yeah. Whatever. Um, and my parents were like kind of worried. So they did start pushing back on it later on in life when, when i was doing it younger like they didn't really care because i was keeping on top of my grades and all of that um so they weren't too fussed about it but as soon as it starts like i'm out and about a lot more and like doing a lot more and like not necessarily studying yeah. they're like oh okay maybe it's not maybe it's not a good thing but D did your grades st uh, start suffering or no no, no luckily no. not i found a way to balance both um which is why i was always able to make my case with my parents luckily okay. so i was always like my grades haven't suffered so it's okay, don't worry okay. about it. Kind of so thing. they were quite diplomatic in, yeah. in that sense. In that sense, yeah. I think okay. I think I was lucky. Like I think generally as a as a guy in Malu households as well, you naturally get a more, lot more freedom and Yeah. Um so I think I was lucky to be able to sort of have that as well. Yeah. Um 
Are you the older sibling? No, I'm the middle child. You okay? Is the older one your sister or my sister's the older? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I've got a younger sister. Yeah. And what I've found is that the older ones are well. If you're a guy, anyway, you're able to push their boundaries a lot more, and the younger one usually ends up being able to push it even further and their parents don't really give much of a shit later on yeah I, th- I, I kind of agree with that i think my sister was quite good in that she kind of paved the way for me she was never like like she she, she did what she needed to yeah do and wanted to do and she set the tone for me as well yeah yeah she kind of yeah sort of empowered me to yeah. carry on doing that because yeah i remember just like just facing so much pushback for the stuff that I wanted to do, mm. and then like later on, my sister's just like just doing what Very she wants, and like yeah. Just, yeah, it's like going out, um, like in our home city and mm. like all of that kind of stuff. Mm. Like we, like me and my friends, we'd never like dream of doing that. Mm-hmm. But her and her friends, they just do it, and Easily. they just like they don't. I mean, they don't probably they probably don't think of the consequences. Mm-hmm. But later on, they're like, "Oh shit, maybe we shouldn't have done that." Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Like my parents always said that. Like that it was f- quite funny with me because I never asked to do anything. I only ever said I'm doing it and just went. And like I never was like, "Oh, can I go to this?" I was uh-huh. like, "I'm going to this, by the way." Yeah. <laughs> and then I just did it. And uh, that's usually how I tend to do things. Yeah, I I started doing that. Later on in life, uh, later on, like probably during school, uh, school. Uh, later on, like maybe around fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, I, I, the same yeah. time, same time. I yeah, think, because yeah. like before that, I'd always ask, and yeah. there's always the chance of them saying no. Yeah. So I'm like, if I tell tell them that I'm going to do it, yeah, then it's more like I'm just informing them and not asking <laughs> yeah, permission. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I I think probably a lot of people end up doing that. Yeah, I think. I think. We, yeah. I think Molu Molu households have a lot of similarity. We were talking about this the other day, weren't we? We were saying. A lot of people have similar lives, but also very drastically yeah. subtle things that make life different. Um, but we do like have these shared experiences through culture and various things. Right. Do you try and bring that into music now? Like where you said you learned the rest in theory behind music, mm-hmm. but you do you bring that Eastern influence into it or that Indian influence? Um, I try to, but well, I, say me saying I is probably wrong. I think the people that I'm around now um, have a lot more of a sort of Eastern music taste and preference. So yeah. they have a lot more knowledge in that side of things. I, I I didn't grow up with the Eastern knowledge. I tended to grow up with the white, like, what do you call it? Uh, like rock and indie and that kind of music is, is what I like liked listening to. And yeah. around when I picked up music, that was what I started playing. Yeah. And I was in like a band and stuff in GCC and that's what we played. Um, so... I came from the sort of Western approach um, and then the people that I sort of do music with now come from the Eastern approach, which is quite nice because you get a nice blend of the both now. Yeah. It's quite interesting. To you, what makes music such a universal type of language? Because I'd say that music's probably one of the few things where like, well, all around the world, you are kind of connected mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a language that you don't understand, you yeah. still kind of just feel the beat, feel the rhythm. Mm-hmm. You're able to kind of vibe with it. Yeah. Like, why is it like that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting question. I, I, I don't have an answer to why I think it's like that. But when you listen to music, you're not listening to understand anything. You're listening to see how you feel. Like, music provokes emotion, whatever it may be, anger or... Um, I don't know, feeling of calm, mellowness. Some some make you a bit more anxious and like yeah, 
and put you on edge. And so music is provoking feeling within yourself. It's not about understanding what it's doing. It's more like it makes you feel a certain way and everyone can feel emotions, right? So, so music playing kind of naturally does that for humans and different songs have different effects on different people. Um, so one song, me and me and you might hear it and have completely different opinions on it uh, yeah. and how, what it makes us feel kind of thing. Do you think, obviously being as involved in music as mm -hmm. you are, mm -hmm. do you think that makes you more emotional as a, per as a human being? Or do, do you think you're able to access your emotions a lot more easily? Oh, interesting. I, I've never really considered that, to be honest. I think I've always considered myself more of an emotional being anyway. Um, but I don't know if that's because I've done music or not. But it, music is kind of ingrained. And like, because since, like I said, when I was younger, I was doing piano and then I kind of picked up guitar. Music sort of become ingrained with my personality and who it is. Who yeah. Um, so it's, it's difficult to separate and say, this is the effects of music because it's just a part of who I am. So I yeah. don't know if that was the direct consequence or some other part of my life had consequence and made me an emotional person. I don't know. Um, I, can't, I can't detach from that kind of thing. Um, it's just, just life that you, you, you become a certain pay, way from the experiences that you have during life, I think. Yeah. Who's the first artist that you try to emulate Ooh. playing the guitar? Um, probably Linkin Park. Um, it's not an artist, it's a band. I don't yeah. know if you know them. Um, but yeah, Linkin Park is the first sort of band that I was like, these guys are awesome. And I, I still think these guys are awesome. Um, and, and I love Linkin Park music because it's so varied and they've been around for years and years and they've like survived for that long. Obviously, um, a couple of years ago, um, Chester Pennington uh, passed away, um, which was quite emotional for me as well because I always dreamed of going to see them live before, before obviously like, um, I, I, I don't know, before they stopped being a band. Yeah. Um. So, I, I mean, I think they still do music and do tours and stuff, but with a replacement singer. But I think my dream of being, being able to see Chester and the whole band would have, yeah, I can't necessarily get that anymore. But yeah, I, I love the band and I love the song, songs they produce. Yeah, I think um, those kind of experiences, mm. like, you have to take it when it comes. Mm -hmm. Like, I think waiting around for like a second chance is yeah, always yeah, like yeah, yeah. a bad, uh, it's not a bad move, but you don't know what's going to happen in the yeah. future, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly like this. Yeah. Um, in that regard, I was really blessed to be able to see um, Eminem perform. Oh, no way. Like, um, in, I want to say, 2018. Like, so it was the day after my graduation. Mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd, been, I'd wanted to see him for ages. And I found out he was playing in London, and I was like, okay. I was looking at tickets to uh, for me and a few of my friends as well mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And... I was about to buy the tickets and then they were like, don't buy it. We've already got you the tickets as, oh, a, as, as a birthday present. Oh, I was wow. like, oh awesome. shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that was genuinely one of the best, best birthday presents I've ever got. Yeah. Because it was completely unexpected. And I went to see him and it was amazing. I can imagine, yeah. He, he's, he's an amazing artist. He's, an, he's, an, he's another one that I think is on my list of like top artists that I definitely want to see at some point. Yeah. Um, it's 100% worth going to see him because you see... Obviously, he's one of the goats of the industry, mm -hmm. um, to me anyway. And I think just seeing, being able to see him perform live is amazing. Like mm -hmm. the influence he's had, he's had on the industry. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the more you listen to his music, the more you realize how much of a lyrical kind of genius he is. Mm -hmm. Because like you, 
just the way you make it make stuff rhyme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stuff that doesn't rhyme, he makes them rhyme as yeah, well. Yeah, that yeah. makes that rhyme. That's really I think that's what sets him apart from like the whole crowd. And obviously he's also like a white artist as well. Um in an industry that's predominantly black. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think that that has come with like its own challenges for him as well. Mm-hmm. But like he's definitely cemented himself mm-hmm. in it as one of the greatest of all time, I'd say. Yeah. Definitely, I think he's one of the right. writers as well. Um, it's interesting that you sort of bring up his sort of um, ethnicity as well, because um, for me, I, I, I like there's a question, especially with all the recent scandals around musicians that come out. Um, there's a question of how much do you separate the artist from the art, kind of thing. Um, should you consider the artist's like I don't know views and perspectives on things when you consider his art or his or her art? Sorry, uh, I don't think so i think the art should remain a separate entity okay. from the artist yeah because um i think that's kind of the best way to kind of just keep it as pure as it mm-hmm. possibly is um it's a big thing in comedy now where the commu- the jokes that they say on stage get taken completely out of context and um get misrepresented and like miscommunicated mm-hmm. and the artist ends up getting a lot of hate mm-hmm. online um but music i mean obviously it's stuff like michael jackson and like r kelly yeah that's completely messed up i think those kind of i think that kind of stuff definitely is you know like i wouldn't say like worth censoring because you can't really do that yeah um but i think people should maybe like take a bit more of a uh, wider approach where they kind of consider it. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I get what you mean. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, because if you listen to their music, then you are effect- effectively supporting them. Yeah. And the question then becomes, do you want to support someone who might be a pedophile? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. With Michael Jackson, it was never confirmed, right? Yeah. Because he died before everything could come to light. Um, with R. Kelly, he is, he is a pedophile. And... Um, I think he, he's now in prison for sex trafficking. Yeah, I, I, I didn't follow that case enough to yeah. see where it got to, actually. But then, yeah, it becomes a question of like morality where are you supporting like what they've done yeah, yeah. by choosing to listen to their music yeah, or not? Exactly. Because effectively, like, if, you're, if they get paid with you listening to their music, mm-hmm. then you are, in a way, supporting them. But it's quite difficult, no? When when you I don't know, just the song comes on, you enjoy it, and you're like, yeah, oh no, actually this guy is not that good. <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's what we come back to, like why music's a universal language because yeah. there's no thought behind it. It's more, it's everything's like feel, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 like, yeah. What do you think about it? Yeah, I, I I genuinely don't have an answer to this. This is a question that I think about as well. It'll, like we, I've had this conversation with various people, and like, everyone has different opinions on it, and I don't really have an answer. I think it's more of a case by case basis i think like you said the r kelly one is, is a lot more obvious yeah it's like it's out there and quite blatant whereas there's a lot of other artists that i think might have like shady pasts or shady like things about them um that you kind of turn a blind eye to because you don't really want to know um, yeah you don't care um for me i tend not to research like celebrity lifestyles and stuff too much i i don't care um i'm not a big fan of like following their lives their personal lives yeah i tend to just listen to music if i like the music i like the music i don't know what they get up to in their personal lives i really don't know um i know a lot of people like follow their fan their sort of like 
artist like lives and everything i've never really done that um which is interesting but yeah i, I, I don't know maybe, maybe there's a lot of artists that i listen to which are probably bad and i don't i wouldn't even know about it yeah i mean it's difficult because like you said you probably i don't think there's you really gain anything from following like um like celebrity lifestyles and all of that stuff mm -hmm. because at the end of the day you're just taking time away from yourself and stuff that you could be doing yeah 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 and you are effectively just like wasting your time away but yeah it's it's something to think about right uh, it's like am i supporting like them as a human being or am i just like supporting the art itself yeah, yeah. I th uh, yeah i think i think people will have very different views on it some people will like i said not care about the personal lives the art is is the more important thing um for them whereas some people also think the art is very heavily associated with the artist because it's a form of self-expression right art art is a form of self-expression it's you're putting some part of yourself into be it painting or music yeah. or whatever thing that you produce it's it's a part of you that you're putting into that so it, you can't detach a person from that art because that's who they are yeah and if you're if you're listening to it you're also kind of listening to a part of them and you can start thinking of it as like that's kind of weird as well and wrong uh, so yeah right do you think now that obviously you've been playing the guitar and you've been involved in music so heavily mm -hmm. that it's become quite difficult to separate yourself from the music in the sense that right it is a big part of who you are mm -hmm. um yes and no i think for me i never really took music as a career option i never really took it as like this is what i want to do for the rest of my life yeah for me music was always a hobby and a form of like um like a release like of like getting things out of frustrations and stuff out through music um, so I only ever saw it as a hobby that helped me express myself in a way. Um, so for me, I could, like, there are times, actually quite recently, I've, I've not really done much music out there a lot in, in quite a while. And that's okay for me because I'm not putting pressure on myself to do music, like, constantly and all the time. Um, I'm not trying to release music uh, to get fame or attention or whatever i just yeah whenever we have a nice song we're like okay maybe the rest of the world wanted to, would want to hear it too and we put it out there and like we do like we released the minetari song and that that was like a lot of effort and a lot of work that we were like okay this is a sick song let's put it out there this is this is something i want to be yeah. proud of and other people to hear as well um but there's lots of stuff that we just generally like sometimes we just jam and create something yeah. and just forget about it yeah tell me about the music video how long did it take you to kind of go from the inception of the idea to, well, the song, the video, everything? Okay. Um, if, if you're talking about the true inception of the idea, that was done in my first year. So that, that guitar sort of riff or theme or hook, what you want to call it. Yeah. Um, I actually just created that in my first year when I was bored at home one day. And I was just picked up the guitar and I was just playing around. Um, and I created this little riff and I was like, oh, this sounds really nice. This would do you do that? quite often where yeah. you just make like yeah. your own yeah yeah so this, this is what i mean so sometimes when i'm feeling i don't know a certain way and i'm like i want to just pick up the guitar i'll just start messing around and i'm i wouldn't say that i'm the most theoretical like musician so i don't have a lot of knowledge i have some knowledge in theory like but i don't have a lot of knowledge so the way i tend to play is i just pick up the guitar and start making notes and random chords and seeing what sounds nice 
yeah um, and that's the way i kind of operate and like seeing how it makes me feel does this make me like give that give me that goosebumps that i want and that's one of the riffs that i created i was like this is really nice and i think i remember posting a short snippet of it on my instagram and nothing happened of it i just i just took a video posted it on instagram and that was it that forgot about it for years to come and then two, three years later, um, we, we were doing a band called Selly Hills. Um, I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Um, so I think it was after one of our, exam, like most of our exam periods, we were all in university together. So after one of the exam periods, we were like, let's just go chill, do something. So we took our guitar, went to the park and was just vibing. Um, and I, I remembered the riff and I was like, I brought this back up. And then I remember sort of like um, the other the other guys kind of joining in and like adding layers of vocals and things like that. And we were just like jamming out and we were like, this is sick. We should, we should take this into a song. Um, but we didn't like take it seriously for like another year as well. Like even after that, we were like, uh, like we're not really, like I said, none of us were really like, oh my God, we're going to make a career out of this. Yeah. So we kind of took it at our own pace. We never really um, pushed too hard with it. Um, and then a year later, I think I was like, okay, that was a good song. Um, let's try and make it into something. So me and Alan started working on it together, um, first of all, to flesh it out into a bit more of a song. So Alan got, um, I believe, his auntie in India to help write some lyrics because we're not the most like uh, fluent Mal like Malayalam yeah. writers. We can speak it pretty well, but writing is a whole different game because like, writing poetic Malayalam is very different. You really need to know the depths of the language. Um, so I remember her, uh, she sort of wrote a lot of the verses. Um, we had the chorus pretty much ourselves. I think Alan, Alan did the chorus himself for the verses. I think she added, she gave us a load of work for like example verses. And then we took that and filtered it down a lot more. Um, and then we bought, uh, brought, uh, Saban or Brian, um, on board to help like produce the song and make it into something that's like listenable like not just an acoustic track because right now all we had was guitar and vocals but yeah. Ryan fleshed that song out and made put his own element into it as well like you can really see the drastic change where what we had and what he came and brought on as well so I think it was, it was an effort from all three of us and we put all like a piece of all three of us into that song yeah and that, that's how the song came about to be it, it was like years of effort I guess if you really consider it it was just but that, lots spread out that's, that's crazy so you said when you came up with the original riff, mm -hmm. um, it was just something that you're feeling. So what were you feeling in that time when you, oh, I, I wouldn't be able to remember. I genuinely don't remember. Like, it was so long ago. Um, even when I played it to the guys, I, did, I was just like, this is a nice riff. I don't remember what I was feeling at that time when I wrote it. Because, like, I, I do that so often. It's just like when I'm feeling, I don't know, maybe a bit down or something. I'm like, okay, I'll just pick up the guitar and just, just vibe for a bit, just chill out and... It's a way to just blank out the world for a bit, isn't it? Like you just, yeah. You just, it's just the guitar and the music, and you just, I like, I, I, I sometimes I sit in the dark, um, in my room, I sit in the dark and just play guitar and like, like, blind out all my visuals and just listen, um, try and just create music that way. It's quite nice, um, because like all of the other senses are kind of just not doing much other than yeah. hearing. Do you, you have a, you have a big love for the art, don't you? Yes, I love. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've. A deep appreciation for art in in all forms like i really love like creative expression um there are things that i prefer but i i can appreciate every form of art kind of thing you always had that no i don't think so i think this is something that grew with my music um because if i like before i started doing piano and stuff i can't actually genuinely remember listening to music i don't i didn't have favorite okay artists. I didn't have like a song that I really loved or anything like that. I can't remember listening to music as a thing. It was never really a part of my life. But now it's just like 
anything I do, I'm generally listening to music or trying to play something or do something like it's always yeah. part of my life now but pre that time i just don't remember what i was like there was no passion there was no like none of that for me so it's interesting that's the kind of grew with my music as well do you think it's because obviously when you when you started learning the guitar and mm-hmm. you obviously it's i'm guessing it's it was quite difficult when you started right mm-hmm. um then after going through that you learn to appreciate how difficult art is because it's such a subjective thing and it's not objective is it it's, yeah it's like everyone has their own preferences and taste mm-hmm. and then you kind of learn to appreciate it way more because of something that you've done yourself yeah i think it is i think i think it did it did come from the fact that i like i struggled to learn that instrument and then even after learning that instrument to be creative with it is so difficult like like trying to find that creative part of your body is is, yeah. is really difficult like you don't always get it like there are times where i'm like, like i want i want to create something i sit down for an hour or two and i'm like nothing's coming to mind so i can't even imagine these artists that are releasing song after song after song album after yeah. album doing loads of these things and i'm like how do they how are they so creative that they're like constantly being able to like produce new things especially like like i said linkin park bands like that they've been around for years and they've changed their style so much over the years and they're so like drastically different like if you look listen to old linkin park and then there's a phase they kind of kind of went into pop and then like they've kind of gone back to it and it's just like yeah they have like phases where they've kind of evolved through various different genres of music and it's yeah it's really interesting to see how they've really sort of grown with the time and adapted and like just tried different things um, yeah. and yeah to keep still being such a well-known band after so many years is, is i think a great achievement is that something you don't see that much anymore in terms of um like we were talking about how now it's all about how you market stuff right yeah and do you think with i guess maybe it's kind of the attention economy that we like, live in at the moment mm-hmm I think there's a bit of that there's a part where the art has suffered a bit because for me um I love like rap and hip hop mm-hmm. and I would say that as as an art form like it hasn't gone down in like uh in many instances and like circumstances where I do genuinely feel like the art has like suffered compared to like art from like the 80s and 90s and like even the early 2000s mm-hmm. like it's completely different because like you've got mumble rap now and like you've got it's all about the visuals and um the music videos and mm-hmm. trying to make it as kind of catchy as possible um i don't know if i'd necessarily say the art has suffered um i think it's changed a lot and it's become something different for me anyway for per- i think this is where this is where it's quite difficult because people attach a lot like like you said we talked about it early on saying uh, like music is about how you feel and you attach a lot of that feelings to music too mm. and to certain songs and ter- certain types of songs so for us we grew up in a certain period listening to a certain type of music and we appreciate the stuff that before as well for the people that are sort of growing up now they listen to this and they appreciate this they might they might identify and more relate with the type of music that's being put out now um which is why they probably appreciate it and that's this is why they still have a growing fan base right like yeah so i guess that's true i never thought of it like that yeah so it's it's 
different. And I, and I, like I said, I hate to say that art form is bad. Like all form of art is, I, I appreciate most forms of art. And I, some things are not my sort of personal preference and I don't li enjoy listening to it, but that's because I like a certain type of music. And I, actually you know, I like a lot of type of music and like, but that's what I grew up with. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's what I sort of identify more with. Um, but even some of the newer songs, there, there are a lot of really nice ones, actually. I, I do, I do find myself sort of listening to some of the new ones. And I really enjoy it. I wouldn't say all of them are great, but, um, yeah, personal preference, I guess it's, it's, it's that's, that's, yeah. what, that's what's so good about music. It's, it's individual taste. Like, yeah, you yeah, I guess like what you like. Yeah. I never thought of it like that because you're, you're completely right. If the art form was suffering, then their fan base would not be growing no. as it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely subjective then, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's going back to the earlier point of how it's changed as well. Like I, I, I think you'd, you'd mentioned the idea of marketing. I think that's always been there. Like, when you take music as a business or an industry, yeah. there's, there's a lot of stuff that has to be done to get music out there and recognized, which is like marketing it and doing these tours and that some of it isn't pretty and isn't what the artists want to be doing. Right. Like as uh, for me, if, if I took music as a career, I'd have to worry a lot more about how, how I'm releasing these songs and, what have I got lined up next? How am I going to publicize it? Like what platforms am I, am I going to use? And yeah. what other things am I going to do to build my name and brand and all of that kind of stuff? So I'd have to consider all of that. And, and that's been around in some way, shape or form previously as well. Like um, right now it's a lot different because there's such like vast arrays of like social media platforms and you have to try and create reels and TikToks and um, stories and all of this stuff. And it's just like yeah. a lot, it's, it's a lot more noisier, I think now because you've got so many different streams of, like publicizing music um so it's a lot more noisier so it can be quite difficult to filter all of that noise out um but yeah i think yeah it's it's been around do you think because of like all of the noise and the different ways of marketing like we're talking about mm -hmm. reels tiktok youtube shorts and all of that do you think there are like great artists that end up slipping through the crack yeah i think there is i think there are people who don't necessarily learn how all of that side of works and it's it's a very crucial part of making music a business and a career yeah you've got to see it as a business and a career um it's not for me that's that's why i've not really i think succeeded as much because i've not had the passion to make it into a business or a career i've not worried all about all that as much um we do a bit like we do a bit when we're releasing the music um, we, we did kind of plan it out about how we wanted to do it but not to the extent that we sh probably should have if we really cared about it yeah um and for me i i didn't want to do that and that's the difference i think some people want to do it want to build something out of it and you've got to put the effort in to grow it um and that kind of is difficult to do because it does mean you have to step away from the art sometimes for a bit and focus more on what the public like and mm. what is doing well and following the trends and all of that and that's yeah it can be quite difficult to do how long did the music video take? Music video wasn't too long. Um, uh, in terms of once we had everything fixed down, I think it wasn't too long, but trying to find a videographer um, and then work with them to figure out what's possible and what isn't took a bit of time because we didn't really have many contacts at the time. But we managed to find an amazing guy. Where, um, his company is called Wicked Visuals and he's called Albin, Albin Jacob. And 
he's he's super talented and for like he's pretty young as well i think he's younger than me as well and he's super talented for his age the stuff that he produces like he's he's done loads of music videos and he's the stuff the stuff that he produces is such good quality yeah um and he puts he like his heart soul into it and you can see that in the videos that he he put so much effort into it yeah um and the guy was at university while he was doing it so he was doing his assignment while um we were sort of like planning the music video and stuff and like there was there was a period where he came over to my house before the music video so he was doing we planned all the music video out for the like next couple of days and then um he was sitting and doing his assignment late night um and i was like this guy is super driven like he's 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 building that career so he's built he wants he, he sees his hobby as like his passion and a career opportunity for him so he's he's putting the effort in for that okay um even though he's got his backup option of whatever his degree is um he's still sort of pursuing this side hustle right we're seeing that more and more in our community now i think mm -hmm. where people are pursuing like the creative arts mm -hmm. as a career and like and more than a hobby yeah because you've got like quite a lot of people making music now and mm -hmm. i find it quite interesting because um there's this theory that it takes about three generations for um someone who's a foreigner mm -hmm. to assimilate into a culture right yeah yeah and i keep thinking is it because of that because i cannot imagine like our parents like coming over here and you know saying oh i want to like start making music or yeah. whatever yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah and like i think i don't know like what well I, I wonder if our kids are gonna end up doing stuff like that mm -hmm. and like what our reactions would be in terms of mm -hmm. would we actually be supportive or would we be um quite cautious like do you ever think of stuff like that yes for sure i think i think i definitely agree i think i think it is what you said around it takes three generations for you to fully assimilate into uh, a culture or a different uh, area or country or whatever i think when our parents came over their sort of priority was survival yeah getting a good landing and getting a good footing and being stable was their main priority because they just moved everything from one country and where they've known everything and like they've been like knowledgeable and like valued in a certain way and you come to another country and you're like starting from the bottom and you've got to climb your way up and i think yeah my parents were focused on that and that was their main priority and they and they kind of instilled that on their kids a bit as well and they kind of made me a lot more cautious about taking risks i'm not going to just up and leave my career because i'm like really passionate about music so i think there is that sense of what i grew up with my parents I, like i took a bit more risk but not to an extent where i've just completely dropped everything and said this is my passion i'm going to pursue it um but with my kids i think i'd be a lot more open for them to pursue music as a career if they really wanted to um yeah following the any form of art as a career is always a big risk because you never know where you, whether you're going to make it or not so it's a it's a bit of luck involved in that i think um but yeah if it was my kids i think i, I probably would support them a bit but i'd I'd make sure that they see it, see the reality of it, not just the fact that they, they love the passion for it and that they have the passion for it. That's not enough these days. Having passion for something isn't enough. You need to have the drive to put in the hard work um, to like do the stuff that's not pretty, do the stuff that you don't necessarily enjoy doing, which is what we talked about earlier about yeah. marketing and planning all of that, Bring like doing all of the stuff that goes around the art itself is important if you want to build a career out of it. Yeah. I think what was your first exposure to the stuff that goes around the art because um you did 
I wouldn't be saying yesterday that there was a point where you kind of stopped. You didn't enjoy making music as much mm-hmm. because you were looking at the other kind of side of it as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there was a distinct time. I think there was a, there was a period of my life where I was trying to do more music and forcing it and trying to put more music out on my social media platforms to build like fame essentially that i think i think and then I, like that wasn't what i started music for and i started getting lost in that trying to build the fame so then i started like following i don't know there, there's like oh how, how what time do you release the instagram post to get the most traction and stuff like that there's like things that i looked into and i was like why am i doing all of this like is this what i want to be doing um so i, I kind of got swept up in all of that um and it's not really what i wanted to be doing in the music but for someone that would be building a career out of it should be looking at those kind of things should be looking at how to play the algorithm and try and get more traction for their posts and build their brand and all of that so i didn't necessarily enjoy it and i kind of stepped back from music a bit after that i was like okay no this is not what i started it for this is not what i want to be doing i don't want to be caught up in this yeah how long did you take a step back for uh i feel like i'm still kind of taking a step back but i think we're working on plans to do a bit more i think yeah we're, it's, it's difficult because there's a fine line of you we've got this talent we've got this ability why waste it why waste it doing nothing um yeah so do something but not to the extent that where you're constantly so focused around how many likes am i getting on this post and this post didn't do well why didn't it do well and like we're not too we're not gonna fuss too much about that we're just gonna be like let's try and make some songs do some covers generally just enjoy music again because i think stepping back I actually lost the passion for music a bit as well. I, I didn't pick up the guitar as often like I used to where I'm feeling low. I didn't pick up the guitar. That wasn't my automatic go-to. So I need to try and rekindle that passion as well a bit. Right. But then what became, what replaced the guitar for you in that time? Uh, TV shows, music, I guess. Um, so like movies and stuff, I just generally just relaxed. Um, I think it's it's also starting work. It okay, yeah. puts you in a different mindset um, where you do a 9-to-5 job, whatever, right? And I, as much as I love my job, after your 9-to-5 job on a Monday to Friday, you're tired. Like, even on the weekdays, you're pretty tired. You've got other things to do when you're living out. You've got, like, your own chores and all of that kind of yeah. stuff to do. So trying to find time for the music, you had to put an active effort in. Um, so I kind of let that slip because I was more focused on building my career and focusing on, like, doing the work that I'm doing um, and then after I've done that I want to go unwind and I'd put a movie and watch TV shows and things like that and then, yeah, that's all I really had time for at the end of the day oh, and plus a social life as well don't forget you, you, you want to have a social life as well so finding time for the music in between all of this stuff was quite difficult so yeah I think recently I'm going to try and like I've made more of a mental note to try and put more active effort into finding time for music so be an hour a day or half an hour a day just yeah not, planning things that I want to do, um, be it with Alan or be it by myself and like try and do a bit more music. Nothing too strenuous, but how long have you known Alan for? Um, I'm in my first year of uni. That's where I met him, uh, through a mutual friend. Um, like when I was coming to university, like when, you know, when you're coming to university, yeah. you want to try and have someone there that you know a bit. So I remember mentioning to my friend being like, Oh, I'm going to this university and I don't really know anyone. I'm like, oh, I'm a bit worried about it. And she was like, Oh, I know this guy. Um, he's a singer. Oh, like he's like, he, he's a singer. He's in the same university. And he, he, she gave me his number. So I messaged him before I came to university and was like, Oh yeah, like 
I'm coming to university. Hi, this is my name. Like, this is what I do and stuff. And we kind of touched on the music side of things and said, oh, yeah, I play guitar. And he said he sings and stuff. So um, that kind of left it there. And then when I was, when I came to university, like, you get swept up in the induction stuff, the yeah. stuff. So I kind of forgot about it, to be honest. Um, forgot about how I messaged him and stuff. Um, and then one day as I was walking through the university with a couple of my friends, I remember him sort of walking back home with this little cycle. Um, and I, I remembered his face from the DP, like his uh, sort of profile picture on WhatsApp. And I was like, oh, shit, that's Alan. Uh, so I went up to him. I was like, yo, Alan, this is Basil. And then he was like, oh, yeah, calm, nice to finally meet you and all of that kind of stuff. And then he was like, just come over to the house later that night, um, bring your guitar and we can just jam and stuff. So I, I was like, yeah, no, I was like, uh, being a first year, you want to take say yes to like most opportunities that sound interesting. Not every opportunity, most opportunities that sound <laughs> interesting. Um, so I was like, yeah, this sounds good. I was like, I'll, I'll come through. So like, and then we texted each other the address, and yeah, from there I met his friends, and then kind of like became part of the sort of Malu scene in Birmingham. Um, I was never really part of the Malu scene when I was like before I came to university, and then I kind of just through them became more widely involved with the Malu scene. Interesting. So, growing up, I'm guessing most of your friends were white or um, not, well, not Malu Zen. Yeah, mostly white. Um, I had some Malu friends, but I think we were also very similar position. We weren't really involved in the Malu scene. And I wasn't that close with them to start with. I was more closer with my sort of white friends um, because that's what I was exposed to at school. Like, I saw these, like, my school friends. My Malu friends were more like when we went to the uh, Christmas programs or the Ornum programs, that's where I saw yeah. those guys. And, like, they were, they were calm. We were all calm with each other, but we weren't really, like, close like that. Um, so, yeah, I grew up with a more westernised background, I guess. Um, okay. So, is that how the band started, then? Just you and Alan kind of jamming out and then... Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Alan used to live with Pratik and Brian, the other two guys in Central yeah. So they had their house together. I, I, I had another house. Like I was living with some like first years and stuff uh, a bit further out. Um, and I basically never really saw the inside of my house. I was living with those guys so much. Like I was just staying. I'd go home, shower, maybe have food or bring fo food over to their house, and then just sleep there essentially. Like I'd, I'd stay at their house, and it was nice. It was a nice experience. It was. It, I kind of felt like um, it's it's that college experience in India. I think I kind of yeah. get that vibe and. I, I, I kind of got back in touch with my sort of Malu um, culture and like speaking, even speaking Malayalam was a big difficult thing for me. I, I spoke it flu fluently at home to my parents. They they raised me to speak it with them. Yeah. But um, I never really had the confidence to speak it publicly like that um, because I don't know, I just, I, I feel like I always get judged for it and I'd never really spoke it like that. Um, but came to university, came to their flat, and they're just full-on Malalam all the way through. Like, they're this full-on like, Malalam, and I'm like, oh, God, I, what, have I, what have I let myself in for? Um, but being around that, it's just naturally made me speak Malalam more and more. And I, I appreciate that. I really love the fact that I've gotten back yeah. in touch with that as well. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm probably the same as well, because when I was growing up, um, Exeter's doesn't have that many Malus there mm -hmm. to begin with. So most, if not all of my friends are white. Growing up, and then I probably started picking up more Malayalam mm. when I came to uni. Yeah, but it's not that I didn't speak out I, I, because I'd lived in India, I could speak, write, and read it. Mm -hmm. um, but I was starting to kind of uh, not speak it as much anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, came to uni, and mostly being around like my lose all the time, mm -hmm. you start speaking it more, and yeah, like yeah. yeah. And then I remember coming back home, and my mum was like. 
where have you picked up all yeah. this Malayalam yeah, from? Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, were, they were genuinely shocked as well. But it was really nice because it meant that I could conversate with like um, Malu adults a lot easier. Before, yeah. I used to like panic whenever you see a Malu uncle and auntie having to speak to them in Malayalam. Like, I'd always panic. Um, but now, like, I can have a natural conversation with them, which is really useful to have because, like, we, we're around a lot of Malu uncles, even when you yeah. look like Indian stuff. Um, being able to like converse in that language is, is a lot makes makes life a lot easier. I and mean, having the confidence to it makes life a lot easier. Um, I think that was my biggest issue that I didn't have the confidence to speak it um, because I'd be worried about saying the wrong thing or saying the wrong word or something like that. But now I just say if I make a mistake, they'll teach me. <laughs> so okay. And how did you guys end up deciding to start a band? Because I'm assuming like at the start it was just you guys just jamming out and like uh, messing up on the guitar and like singing everything else yeah um so at what point did it become a band uh, i think we had kind of iterations of a band uh, coming through um so there were events that we were going to um and like we would be asked to perform a song or something because th- they were already kind of involved in the music scene like alan was known to be a singer um and pratik was like a very talented like multi-instrumentalist so they, i think they were already very involved with the music scene so they were they were getting events or requests for coming to do a program okay. or something like that so um when i joined along with them they'd obviously go, we'd obviously go and um we'd, we'd ask we like they'd be like oh how do you want to be introduced and we're like uh we don't know <laughs> um so we, i think one of the gigs that we went to we literally just made some random work i think it was called yuva or something is what is the name that we gave um, it was like a temple program that we went to play a bit more classical songs with. Um, so we literally just made the name there and then on the spot. Yeah. Um, and then I think after that, we came back home and we're like, okay, we probably should talk about band and stuff like that. And then I think we made, there were five people at that time. So we made a band called Army of Five. Um, and we called it AOV as in like five being the, the sort of room, Roman yeah. um, before it. Um, that was, that was the band for a bit. And then I don't know what happened. I think one of the guys, um, kind of moved further away or like didn't necessarily get involved with the band as much so then we became Selly Hills that's that's when we said we called Selly Hills because um the place that we we were living in Birmingham is called Selly Oak yeah and we were on the top of this hill uh, on the road our house was on the top of that hill I don't know if you've been to that house like there were many parties that were held in that part in that house sorry uh so yeah that's what we called ourselves Selly Hills um and then that's how the band kind of officially started uh, when we released uh, one of the covers, what was it? Um, I think Gali Waliga. That was our first sort of cover under Selly Hills. Okay. Um, do you guys have plan to, plans to make any more like music videos? Uh, like, yes, we do. Um, when and how that will look like, God knows. <laughs> like I said, we're not we're not that driven. Yeah. I think we can get quite lazy and. We, we don't spend as much time as we probably should releasing that. We've got a couple of songs that we've written um, in terms of the sort of basic music element of it and the most of the lyrics for it. And we've got that ready to be produced and made into a music video. But that's where it takes a lot more effort. Like producing the track, it actually takes a lot more effort than people realize, I think, like, when you once you've written a song, you you don't just write guitar and music and guitar and vocals and that's it. You add a lot more layers um, to that song, and the the producer does a lot of work to flesh that song out into something that you'd want to listen to again and again and again. Yeah. And then on top of that, you've got to consider the music video and how you're going to do it and like getting videographers to do it. Um, 
that also takes a lot of a tremendous amount of effort as well. Um, did Bri- uh, did Brian do the producing for yeah uh, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 okay did. but he was it was it was it wasn't like a normal producer scenario it wasn't like we went to him with like a pretty much almost finished track and he just made the track out he was very heavily involved in the the shaping of the song as well like we all three of us kind of collaborated on that song which is why we're all three named artists on it like we worked together heavily to build that song out from what we had um yeah interesting the like you you mentioned that when you first started learning the guitar mm-hmm. um the instructor said that you picked it up quite quickly mm-hmm. right is that something you've always kind of been good at like um we talked about this a bit right mm-hmm. about the nature versus nurture debate yeah like is that something that you've always kind of been blessed with in life yes i think i was blessed with the ability to pick up things quite quickly um personally for me um which is what like when i said when i picked up the piano it was i picked it up quite quickly um and even when i did the guitar and even when i was doing i don't know other things in life like i don't know science and maths and stuff i tended to be able to pick up difficult concepts quite quickly and i think that has that's that's the nature element of it like i was able to pick it up quite quickly but i'm a firm believer of um nurture always um outweighs nature yeah so if you really put your mind to something and work hard at it um i think you can overcome whatever obstacles your nature has for you um like even though i had this natural talent there was a lot of time spent practicing rehearsing all of that time like there's there's a lot of effort still put into developing that talent yeah um so even if you have a talent you've got to put the effort in but even if you don't have like natural talent i think if you put the effort and you might have to put in a bit more than someone's already who's naturally talented but if you keep working at it there's no reason why you can't surpass the person that's got natural talent and get further in my in my opinion anyway, i think i I'm, I'm a firm believer of nurture over nature i think nature plays its part but nurture definitely overpowers nature in that regard uh do you, well, i don't know if you've got any thoughts on this do you have any opinions on things like manifestation uh what do you mean by manifestation uh well the way I, i understand it is that if you want something mm-hmm. you can manifest it for yourself yeah okay or i um and that's kind of that's kind of how i understood it i haven't fully kind of mm-hmm. understood what it stands for but i to me it just doesn't it doesn't seem like something that i personally believe in yeah because it's like just skipping out a lot of the steps in between from where you want something mm-hmm. to achieving it yeah like you're skipping out the hard work you're skipping out all of the failures that come like you know just all, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like have you ever thought of that uh i th- i think Like I don't necessarily believe in the part of manifestation where um they seem to believe that the universe will bring it back to you and make that happen. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe that side of things. Um but manifestation as a motivation tool can be quite powerful. Um it's like self affirmations, right? Like you wake up and you tell yourself that you are an amazing human being and you start if you keep repeatedly doing it you start believing it. And manifestation as a tool of motivation can be quite useful saying I'm going to achieve this. 
will put your mindset in a way that's like determined to do it. And then the hard work and stuff that you need to put in, will, you'll be able to tolerate it a lot more. So I think manifestation is a useful tool for motivation, not necessarily something that you can just be like, put it out into the universe and it will definitely happen. I don't believe in that kind of thing. I, I think it still requires the hard work and effort that yeah. goes along with everything. Is that, do you reckon it's just one of those like new age, um, I'm going to use my words really carefully here, uh, <laughs> mumbo jumbo. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't really speak on that. I mean, I have a personal bias in, the sen- in bias in the sense that like I'm Christian. So, I have a certain belief system that I go by um, and I don't necessarily believe in what they believe in. Um, I believe that there's a God out there who you pray and you lead a good life and you ask for things and things that need, things that you need will be given to you in certain aspects, but it's not, uh, it's not handed to you. You've got to work for it. You've got to put the effort in. Um, And that's what Christianity kind of teaches. I think for me, Um, you can pray for it. He'll support you in the efforts that you want to put in. That's what, that's what I see. It's like It's a guiding hand in the things that you want to be doing more than he'll just give it to you on a silver platter. Um, yeah. It's that quote or phrase, God helps those who help themselves, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. That's, right. What, that's what I believe. And um, like Chris Rock, like the comedian, he's got a bit where he says, if you see a guy who's got a broken down car mm-hmm. and he's sat on the outside... Um, and he's just sat in the car mm-hmm. like, no one's going to stop and help him yeah. push the car Yeah. but if he's pushing the car himself mm-hmm. there is a high chance that someone is going to stop and yeah. actually help them mm-hmm. out right Yeah. and that's what I've always kind of figured where it's like people do like to kind of complain about their situation or just Mm-hmm. in general just like moan but they don't actively take steps to um change their situation yeah and yet they expect the universe or others to kind of go out of the way to help them and mm-hmm. they're not really helping themselves yeah right it just when you just touched on this i that's kind of what i thought about it yeah yeah i agree i agree with that mostly um i think in light of all the sort of mental health sort of awareness that's coming about i think there are situations where your brain can make you think in a very negative manner and make you not necessarily see the positives of things or make you give you the ability or the strength to take action and improve yeah. things. so i think it's not a case of when somebody isn't doing the things that they should be doing it's not because they just like choosing to sometimes sometimes they are like unable to because of the fact that their brain is making them think in a certain way and not giving them the ability to do that and i i i I, I, yeah it's difficult to know what's which one it is it's there's no way to know if someone's choosing to um not put in the work or struggling to put in the work yeah i think even if someone is struggling to put in the work because they can't yeah i think there are still tools at your disposal yes. which you can choose. Yeah. Um, like I was telling you, like for me, um, therapy was like a big like game changer for yeah. me. Yeah. Because I understood that I needed to ch- I, ne- I needed to do something to change my situation because yeah. I was repeating the same patterns of behavior over mm-hmm. and over again. Mm-hmm. And for me, therapy really did help kind of break out of that cycle. Mm-hmm. And 
it gave me the tools to understand myself as a human being yeah. and why I do certain things the way I do and like so on and so on. Like, did you did you face that kind of struggles like um, where your mental health like kind of declined and you had to kind of take a step back and reassess things? Yeah, definitely. I think I think there are phases in my life as well where I've gone through struggles which I think affected my mental health in certain ways. Um, I think everyone has their own struggles and it's each their own and they, they go through different things and they experience different things in a different manner. So what's difficult for me might be very easy for you to deal with and what's difficult for you for my, might be very easy for me to deal with. Um, so, yeah, I, I've, I've been through phases where, for me, what I, what I faced was too difficult for me to deal with. Um, and I probably didn't do the right thing. I didn't go to therapy or counselling and I, I didn't do the right things and I, I probably should have. Um, but I somehow managed to find a way to fight through it um, and, and sort of get through it. And um, we were talking about this last night where I, I've always had the mentality of if, if even if there's something drastically wrong with my life or if I'm struggling with something really badly, I still do what I think needs to be done. Like, I don't know, because a lot of it, like life has a way of throwing inconveniences in the worst time. So be it like during my exam seasons at university or GCC or A-levels, it was always, it always seemed to be around that time. Yeah. Something bad happens. Um, and then that you're left with the choice essentially of just stay at home and like feel like sad. And like, I, I, like I was, I was blessed and be with, with having the strength to fight past that and think, I'm, I've, still, I've got these exams to worry about. I need to go and study. I would sort of compartmentalize and push those problems of what I'm facing away for a bit. Yeah. And just go focus on revision for how many hours and then come back and deal with those emotions for a bit. And then day in, day out, just constantly do that. So I did what it needs, what needs to be done for my future self not to be affected. So I worked hard for my exams and made sure that I need, I got the grades that I needed to so that I'm not screwing myself in the future. But, I don't know if that was the healthiest way of dealing with it or the best way of dealing with it, but that, that's how it worked for me. Um, were, were you able to separate those two things quite well then? Like your studies and your like emotional well-being at that time? Yeah, I was. I, when, I, when I went to revise, um, I would just purely focus on the revision and I'd forget about whatever bad stuff that I was dealing with. And just I'd, I'd also separate my environment out so I wouldn't necessarily... Uh, be at home and just be in my room because I think that things makes things out that made things worse for me um so I'd go to the library where it's a different environment it's a bit more like spacious and roomy and people around so um it was a lot nicer for me so I'd, I'd just go to the library sit there work there from morning till evening um yeah and then go back home in the evening when I know that I'm done the revision for the day and go back home and, and I'm able to relax a lot more and I kind of got to a point where I'd, I'd forget about the issue and I just more focused on the revision um until obviously you know, when you're done with the exams and you're like oh all of these emotions that I was bottling up or yeah you, know, you kind of have to deal with it and you'd, you'd find a way to deal with it later um I don't know how I dealt with it but you'd get through it kind of thing in slow slow steps yeah what other kind of techniques did you use for kind of helping yourself separate to how obviously you talked about the um like the environmental mm -hmm. you change the environment mm -hmm. which is good um but obviously you still got like do you not did you have any kind of like, um 
remnants of the emotional stuff. Yeah. Like, how would you, what would you do to kind of separate that out as well? Um, I think it was a mental thought of, like, and there's bad stuff happening, but, like, there's good stuff in your life. Um, focus on that and don't ruin that for yourself. Like, focus on building your life and building it the way that you want to build it. Um, so, like, doing well in my exams and then going to university and then doing well at university and building a career in a way that I'm able to have a successful job and be able to stand on my own two feet and then nobody can really dictate my life after that. Like, uh, I know the, the government and everything will have some say on it, but there's a lot of control that you have of your own life. Once you stand on your own two feet and you're earning your own income and you start having your own place, yeah, you have a lot more independence and nobody really can affect that. No matter how bad things get, you can just detach yourself from that and think, this is not something I want to be part of anymore. Once, once you're sort of on your two, like on your own feet. Um, otherwise, it's quite difficult because you're dependent on a lot of people and a lot of things beforehand, um, and you kind of have to put up with shit um, to be able to like get through life. Do you think your experiences have made you a much more resilient person? Yes, um, but I don't always think that's a good thing. I think. The way that I've dealt with things, um, it made me strong as a person, but it's also kind of weak in the sense that I'm not that comfortable with talking about my emotions and putting stuff out there. Um, I'm, 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 I prefer dealing with things on my own. I just want to go away and deal with things, but I'm not good with sharing and uh, dealing with emotions together with someone and communicating those issues, which was a real problem when I was when I got into my relationship that I'm in now. Um, my girlfriend would want to know what's affecting me. And I'm just yeah. like, I don't want to talk about it. I, I, I'm just going to go deal with it myself. And that was quite difficult for her because being partnered with someone like that, you, you'd want to know what's affecting them and you'd want to know why they're acting the way they're acting. Um, so I had to make a conscious effort to like try and be more communicative of what I'm feeling and what I needed. If It may still be that I need some alone time to deal with it, but at least she's aware of why I'm feeling that way. And where, why I'm at the position that I got to, kind of thing. Yeah. Do you do that more now? Yeah, like I, I try and do that a lot more now. Um, maybe not perfectly. There are times where I'm still a bit not perfect in dealing with my emotions, but I think it's it's a it's a sort of understanding game between both of us. Yeah. It's, uh, that's interesting because I w- I would have thought well, we would, like we were saying mm-hmm. uh, before because. Of the music, you said um, you said you're mm-hmm. quite an emotional person, right? And we were talking maybe was it because of the music as well? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have thought that because you're an emotional person, you'd probably have it more to the surface. Yeah, in a way. yeah. I think I do. So I, I, when I say I'm an emotional person, I think what I what I meant was I feel emotions a lot more quicker. Um, yeah, I tend to be. Um, I tended to be a lot more emotional back a while, like a year or two ago. I'd feel those emotions and react a lot more drastically based on the emotions. Um, more recently, I've realized how that can be quite detrimental to me. Reacting solely on emotion can make you do things that you regret. Um, because when you're feeling sad or angry and reacting purely on sadness or ang- anger is not always helpful to you. So 
I've started taking more of an approach of when I'm feeling certain emotions, I, I, I try and sit and process those and understand why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling before I make any reactions or decisions. It's not 100% of the time. There are definitely times where I have outbursts and I've, like, I don't necessarily have the control, but I'm trying to work on that control of when I feel a certain emotion, trying to reflect on why I feel that way and understand what it is that needs yeah. to be. Is there something that can be fixed? Is there something that needs to be done? And then doing that rather than lashing out when I'm angry or upset. Um, yeah, that's the kind of approach I take now. Is your girlfriend quite understanding of that? Oh yeah, massively. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I wasn't. I was not like that a year or two ago when we were dating. Um, so I think she had to understand where all those things came from, um, and she helped me understand it as well. And we talked through, through those things together. Yeah, and that's when I started realizing where all this comes from and why I react the way that I react, and then. Like, she helped me be a better person in the sense of, like, she helped me realize all those things and realize, okay, that there's no point reacting like that. Mm. It's not achieving anything. If anything, it's pushing her away and making things worse for me. Um, so I was like, I need to seriously consider how I react to these emotions, these feelings and I have, and think about where it's coming from and what needs to be done about it as well. Like it might be that something that she's doing is affecting her, but instead of instantly lashing out, I have to try and figure out what it is and try and do it in a constructive way. That's, that's the main aim. Try and do it in a way that she feels comfortable and I feel comfortable and we get the end result. Yeah. Um, she always has this quote that she likes to say is that like, it's never me versus her. It's us versus the problem. And that's, that's the way that we try and look on anything that goes wrong. Um, we, we see, we try and figure out what exactly is the problem. Is it something that like, I'm not getting enough or she's not getting enough and how can we fix that problem? Is it something that we can work on together? Like she does something, I do something and we try and meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of way we approach it. What made you decide that she was the one who, you, wait, you don't mind me putting the stuff in? No, 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 this is fine. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, what made you decide that she was the one that you wanted to, well, spend the rest of your life with then? Um, was that like a turning point when, obviously, to have someone this understanding with you yeah i think i think for me um it's the fact that she's always wanted me to make be, i'm sorry she's always made me want to be a better person mm. and it takes a lot to make someone want to be better constantly um and constantly reflect on themselves and think am i doing this correctly and she brought some control into my life and she she she, she made me sort of reflect a lot more on myself and how i do things and made me take like karma and deal with things a lot calmer and understand life in a better way and just look on life in a better way and that that's that's ultimately what you want right um someone that makes you better in, in your life and I, I know that's yeah. really selfish to say it's like no, no, no. you want a partner that makes you better as well like makes you a better person you grow together that's what, that's what i've always wanted to build a family that's like growing together and like happy and peaceful that's what i want do you, do you share the same values then? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we com had a conversation about values specifically, but from what I know of her, I think, yeah, we do say, like, have the same outlook on life. We are very different people on a lot of things, but we're also very similar on what we want out of life. Um, we're not looking for, I don't know, like, neither of us are very, like, oh, career will be our date, be all end all. We'll, we'll have a career, we'll have a good, successful career but up until the point where we're comfortable, not to the point where we're earning loads and loads of money. I just want to be comfortable enough so that I can provide 
enough for my family to have a good life, mm. not luxurious life. Um, we all have the bare minimum for sure and some luxury. That's the kind of level I see it at. Um, and I think she kind of shares the same view is more about spending time with the family and making sure that we build a happy family rather than trying to be successful on our own. Um, yeah, that's the kind of mentality that we have. Interesting. Um, is that how you've always wanted your, is, is that something that you've always wanted? I think so. I, I think even when I was younger, I, I like my, like, even though what I didn't know what it meant, I, I knew that I wanted to have a small, happy family um, with a medium-sized house. Like, nothing like... Like, I, I don't like big houses because it just feels too spacious for me. I yeah. don't like tiny houses either because, obviously, you want a bit of room to move around. But, like, a medium-sized house where we have enough space to move around, nothing too big. Because I, I, I go to these mansions and you think, how do you populate this house? How do you feel at home in such a large house? You've got so much space and air and, like... You're not really like you just you just vastly separated out, and I'm like I don't necessarily want that for the future. And like having to look after a house that big as well, it's just like I don't want to put that effort in. <laughs> I'll just constantly be cleaning yeah. the house. <laughs> do, do you reckon? Like I share that same mentality in the sense that I do. Like if I do end up having a family, mm-hmm. I do want to spend as much time with the family as I can. Mm-hmm. Like in a lot of regards. Yeah. Um, and I always wonder if that came from um, parents, obviously, working, like, super hard when you were younger because mm-hmm. obviously they just moved to a new country. Like you said, trying to put your own two feet on the ground yeah. and, like, trying to just make ends meet at certain points, yeah. right? I wonder if that's where it comes from, where you want... It's almost like you want to provide the life for your kids that you wished you had. Mm-hmm. Like, where I do wish, like, you know, we had, like, weekends where we did stuff mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it part, partly does play a role in, like, we, we didn't necessarily have our parents be around as much because, like you said, they were working a lot. But I, I don't blame them for that because I know now now in my life I know what it takes to survive. Yeah. Even to just survive and get by is quite difficult. I can't have imagined what they went through when they moved to a whole different country where their language... Like, they, their English wasn't great when they moved here. And having to s- communicate and do all of the things that I'm doing now, I don't know how I would have done it. How, would I would have done it. Like, I, I don't know if I would have been strong enough to survive what they went through. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I don't blame them. Um, but it's also, like, what, I wish I had that. But there's no... Yeah, so, like, the only thing that I can do is going forward. Luckily, my parents set me up in a position where I'm able to succeed in this country. And I'm able to, like speak fluently and have a good career here so they set me up for success in my own family yeah so i'm going to take that blessing and i'm going to carry that forward kind of thing yeah 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 100 percent agree with you um i probably realized how much of a big difference it is mm. once i started moving out and mm. um mm. living myself and then it gave me a whole new respect and understanding for my parents mm-hmm. because like there are days when i come back from work and i'm just absolutely destroyed yeah and you still gotta cook you gotta clean you gotta get stuff ready for the next day yeah and they'd be doing that from like they'd be leaving at eight o'clock in the morning coming back at eight at night Mm -hmm. like it's not even like a nine to five it's like a 12 hour shift Mm -hmm. and they'd still do all of this for us and yeah just experiencing it gave me a whole new respect for them Mm -hmm. and how daunting it must have been to come to a new country like you said where you don't speak the language and how it must I, i don't know if your parents 
came from the Middle East or yeah 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 how it must have been even more daunting to go to the Middle East mm-hmm. because obviously the rules and laws there are like even more stricter than yeah here. yeah yeah just yeah it's crazy to think about it and I think that kind of appreciation just comes with age yeah as opposed to because like when you're younger you're obviously like you're well bit dumb mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah and you, you don't ex you don't necessarily appreciate things from like a wider con uh wider context yeah. where yeah i mean like your parents might be away a lot of the time but mm-hmm. to put food on the table it's not because yeah. they enjoy like being away from you yeah 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 for sure um it's not just that as well i think like one thing i've learned as well like when i started appreciating it was like i realized a lot of building your career is about having the right conversations with the right people yeah and when you're limited with your language um it's really difficult to convey your intellect your 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 knowledge to the people to make you like to get you promoted to get you up the ranks and building your career because like when you're on the lower end of the rank you're you're forced to work insanely hard to be able to like make ends meet the higher you go it's more around type of conversations the type of thinking that you do is not as some sort of hard hard work um in terms of like physical hard work sorry yeah um, it's a different type of hard work so for them it must have been very frustrating to be able to like to not be able to like build a career they they're just working hard day in day out just trying to get make money that's all their my primary focus was they're, they're not worried yeah. about climbing the ranks as much or they're not they like, that, yeah, that's, that's more a longer term goal. That if they can get it, then great. But if that, their primary goal was just work day in day out, try and get as much money as right. possible. Yeah, I know that it was like frustrating for my dad mm. because he came from an engineering background, mm-hmm. and obviously because of language barrier, he wasn't able to pursue that here. Yeah, and I because he was a big influence in me deciding to go into engineering in the first place. Yeah, um, and I I do remember like how frustrating he must have felt or like how frustrating it must have been yeah like to not be able to pursue that career and that passion that you've built up like all your life and yeah. um effectively having to kind of give it up mm-hmm. and the reason that you're giving it up is for your kids to have a better life yeah yeah and i think a lot of kids well people well they're not kids anymore really yeah. um people from our generation don't really appreciate the sacrifices that our parents have made mm-hmm. and but at the same time i also think that our parents expect us to make sacrifices mm-hmm. because they made sacrifices for us. Yeah. Which I don't think is necessarily fair. Yeah. Like, uh, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. I think it's not a perfect system. Like, I appreciate a lot of the sacrifices that my parents have made. And for me, like, even doing music stuff actually was a, a part of appreciating the sacrifices that they made because I was like, I'm in I'm in a country they they've set me up in a position where I can speak the language well. Um I'm not just going to go down the route of study and just a job. I need to explore the life. The blessing that was given to me is is being able to explore life a bit more and look at what else is out there doing music. I've I've done lots of other types of um arts as well. Like I used to dance. Um, I used to do acting a bit as well. So like really not not like professional. This was when I was younger. Um I did like drama GCC and I tried like I was, for a period I was like oh yeah this is quite interesting. Um but yeah I I've always wanted to say yes to every new opportunity because I'm like I want to just try it. And I'll if I like it I'll, I'll carry it on. If I don't like it then um I'll drop it. Even the career that I'm in now was just a blind I'll leap of faith. I was like 
this looks interesting, I'll try it. And then I completely switched um, like career tracks in my A-levels. Um, before my A-levels, I wanted to be a physicist because that's what I enjoyed doing. Uh, I liked physics at yeah. A-level and like that was, that was what I wanted to do. And then uh, when it was like the A-level options day and you have the little walk around and you see all the different subjects, I remember seeing... So I was going to do physics, maths, further maths, and chemistry. That was the typical sciences route that you yeah. found. Um, and then I remember seeing computer science on the list, and I was like, "This seems interesting." I've never really, I don't really, I have no clue about the subject at all. Not done any programming, nothing at all. I, I, I barely even worked with computers at this point. Um, and I was just like, I was reading this, and I was like, this seems interesting. It, it seemed very problem-solving oriented, um, very like, yeah, fo fo focused around problem-solving, and I, I liked the idea. Like that's kind of what attracted me towards maths and sciences anyway. Um, so I liked the idea, and this I was like, this looks interesting. I was like, um, I'll pick it up. And I think at the time, schools let you drop a subject in the first three weeks. Um, okay. Like, if you don't enjoy it, it lets you, like, swap and, like, because it gives you, a, like, a grace period when you can really firm your decisions. So the first three weeks is kind of like that period. So I was like, I'll take it, and then I'll drop something. I'll, I might drop this, I might drop another one in the first three weeks, depending on um, what I do and, do and don't enjoy. And I remember sort of starting to look at it and then, like, starting to study the course and they were teaching I think Python or something in very basic form and I remember taking it home and just going like three levels above and just, like trying to build a game out of it and I was I just took it to another level and I just found a passion like like I did for music I found a passion for software and computer science and I, I remember the code that I wrote was absolutely horrific back then because I barely knew anything the stuff that I'd been taught I tried to use that and build a game out of it and it was very limited knowledge like I didn't have the sort of vast array of knowledge that, I, that you need to build a game so I used whatever like it was like for loops and I don't know, I don't know if you know, know what they are so it's like for loops and if statements I literally just built a game using for loops and if statements and it was a whole like battleships game um, I remember building that with very limited knowledge so I was like yeah I, I, I just found a passion for it um, so I ended up carrying on all five AS subjects because I was like I didn't know what to drop I just enjoyed all of them and then going on to my AS levels when I was like, okay, chemistry wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. I'd really enjoy it that much. So I dropped that and carried all the rest on um, for A-levels. So yeah, that's how I found my career. And just in my A-levels, just randomly thinking, oh, this looks interesting. I'll try it. Um, so I've always been someone that's open to opportunity. So whenever something comes my way, I'm like, hmm, maybe this, this sounds interesting. I'll just, I'll try it. That's quite cool. Um, because you said that you're quite an introverted person, right? Mm -hmm. But, Obviously, when you but you also say yes to opportunities as well. Do you do you find that quite like different in a way? Um, not necessarily. I think the my sort of introverted nature nature only really applies applies in social situations. Um, okay. When it comes to certain things like this, um, not I don't know. I think it naturally develops from one thing to another. Like I don't know, we went. I don't, I don't know how to explain it to be honest um like professionally i wouldn't consider myself socially awkward but put me in a party yeah. and i'd be in the corner hiding um because i'm afraid of what to say and what to talk about professionally i know how to elaborate knowledge and talk about things that i'm working on mm. and that's different like i don't have an issue with doing that but when it comes socially i'm like what do i talk to you about what do i say what do i ask you about like what if i say the wrong thing what if i like upset you or piss you off um like i don't want to be doing that so I, I get in my head too much about those kind of things. So I think that's why socially it's 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 where I struggle a lot more and I'm, I tend to be more introverted. Um, 
but I, I think I'd consider myself more of what you call, I think, I think it's ambivert, where once you get comfortable with a group, like the group yeah. of friends that I have, if you see me around them, I'm a totally different person to if you see me at a party that I don't really know people. Because if you, like, in a party where I don't need, really know people, I'll be a, like very quiet, very reserved, very somewhere in the corner, like hiding. But if you see me with like a group of friends that I know, I'm like a lot more bubbly, a lot more chattier, uh, and make jokes and laugh a lot more because I know, I know what I can and can't say, and like I'm not, I'm feel relaxed, so I can open up a lot more and not worry about being judged. I think that's that's why I'm in, introverted in other situations where I'm worried about being judged or saying the wrong thing. Whereas in my group of friends, I don't have that worry, so I can be a lot more extroverted. Um, mm. So opportunities, oh sorry, going back to your earlier no. <laughs> opportunities kind of naturally come through things and like, I'm not f looking for opportunities, but when something comes your way, you say yes. And I don't think sort of your, whether you're introverted or extroverted, that um, there'll be a lack of opportunities. I think opportunities will come through. You just have to be open to seeing them. Yeah. I think it's worked out pretty great for you. Yeah, so. luckily. God, God, yeah, God, God, God willing, it's been so. It's been good so far. I've, I've, I, I always think to myself as like, if, if I were to die tomorrow, would I have regretted anything, or missed out on anything? And I'm like, from what I can tell, from the cards that I was dealt in my life, I think I've made the best of it. I think I've really done what I wanted to do. Um, so far, um, there's a lot of stuff in the future that I want to do, but yeah. that. that takes time and there's things to build and there's things to be done but with the cards that i was dealt and the life that i had i think i've made the best of it and i wouldn't regret dying tomorrow yeah but isn't that kind of hindsight is 2020 in a way where you might i mean you said you, you said that you don't regret stuff but uh, just putting it into context where if you might regret something mm -hmm. you would have had to go through that situation to realize that this is something that you would regret that or whatever happened is something that you regretted does that, does that make sense? Uh, not sure I fully understand. I, but I think what you're alluding to is that, like, um, you have to go through something before you know if you're going to regret it. Right? Yeah. And that's where I said, like, I tend to say yes to most opportunities and then realize, okay, this isn't something I want or something I should be doing or whatever. Right? Okay. So my regrets, are you, I don't have many regrets of something that I haven't done that I had the opportunity to do because most of the times I've tried it and realized that this isn't for me um, or tried some small aspect of it and to realize it's not for me, this is not what I want to be doing. So I've always made decisions like that. So it, am I going to regret this in the future? If, if, I don't, if I say no to this, am I going to regret this in the future? Probably not. Or if I am going to regret it, maybe I'll try it and see what happens. Cool. Are you happy now? with who you are as a person yes mostly i don't think i'm ever perfect so there's always things to work on um yeah but i mean that that's that goes for everyone i think i yeah. mean like uh, the idea is that no one's perfect and you'll always work on improving yourself yeah as a person but overall are you happy yeah. with where your life is yeah oh yeah i was i was i i think i mentioned this to you as well but i was just saying that the phase of life that I'm in at the moment I'm I feel so blessed to be in this phase I'm so like happy in the situation that I'm in right now um like a lot of people like talk about university and stuff and say oh they miss university and I'm like I genuinely don't I, I made the best of university I had fun there um with what I could and now I'm in a different stage of life and I'm having fun here and I'm not missing that because I had I got what I needed to out of university lifetime and I don't really want to go back to that lifestyle because when you're at university, you're broke and 
you're living to a budget and you're having fun to a budget. Um, and that was great at the time because that's all you could do. And I yeah. made the best of that. But now I have money and I'm like, I can, it opens up a whole variety of activities that I couldn't do before. And like lots of different things that I'm like, wow, like there's more to life than just going out on night out or um, chilling in the room. Like I, I still enjoy doing those things, but not as often. Right. So what does happiness mean to you now after having been through uni and like all of your experiences now? Right. You said that before that you're much better at finding a balance and stuff now mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. right. What does happiness mean to you right now in this moment? I think fundamentally happiness for me is about stability, is about having a stable, peaceful life. Um, that might be kind of an old thing to say, as in like having just a normal life is actually quite happy for me. I like having a day routine, like doing the things. But also I'm blessed to have a good social life. I'm blessed to have friends and a girlfriend. And so I don't know if I didn't have those things, maybe just having a day-to-day -day routine wouldn't be enough. I'd want to do more things. Um, because I have friends and a girlfriend and all of that and family and all of that, right? we do stuff together, like we go out, we, we do activities together, we meet up, we chill. So I get a good balance of everything, like I get a balance of working hard, doing my own stuff, doing my own daily routine, but also then being out on the weekends, meeting people and socializing, doing things, exploring, learning. So yeah, I, I think I have a good balance of everything, like a well-rounded life. So, so right now what I have, if I can carry that on for the rest of my life, I'd be happy to kind of thing. But obviously when kids come and all that kind of stuff, gets in the way like life will change and your priorities will change slightly and i'm hoping i'll still be happy with whatever um change may come my way but we'll have to see with that but right now like yeah i take what blessings i've been giving and just be happy with that kind of thing that's that's great i think uh with regards to balance as well i think that's something i'm becoming more and more aware of now mm -hmm. um because like i was telling you before I tend to have a tendency to go like all in on something mm -hmm. and um, I think like I was saying before as well in hindsight might have been me running away from like dealing with problems I was experiencing yeah. before um, but now I've kind of become more rounded in the sense that I'm able to process stuff a lot better and I'm able to kind of uh, I know what tools are available to me yeah. to make myself into a, be a better person and mm -hmm. um, experience things. So, like, I think now with regards to happiness, I'm, I have more of an attitude about, I'm like, I guess I am happy, but the happiness is kind of temporary because I doubt you'd always be happy yeah, all the time. For sure. And I think if you were happy all the time, you probably would forget what that feeling is like as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so while it might be temporary and it might pass like it will come back and i think that's helped me develop a bit more of a carefree attitude towards um life in general and like things in general as well like before like like i was saying um if i hadn't been able to go to the gym for like a month or something mm -hmm. i'd feel really anxious and like I feel like upset about not being able to go to the gym. But now it's like, if I've skipped a week, then it's fine. I still have like, I can go next week. Mm -hmm. It's not like the gym's going to shut down. Like, you know, you know yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, when, when you were just talking about balance, I think like, 
I realized that I'm applying those principles to my life as well now. Yeah, yeah. Especially with like starting a new job and like starting a master's and and like all of that stuff as well. I think that so yeah, somehow it's just kind of timed out really well where I have managed to kind of get a balance for myself as well. What what does happiness mean? to you then like so i i i mentioned stability being my form of happiness what what is what does happiness to mean to you um to me it means being able to push myself and become the best version of myself it sounds really vague when i say it like mm-hmm. that but being able to try new things mm-hmm. being able to keep improving yeah. like every day like um like i was saying to attain uh, last night i want to be able to go up a belt yeah in yeah. uh jiu-jitsu like mm-hmm. in, within the next three years mm-hmm. i don't know if that's possible but that's something i'm aiming for mm-hmm. like i want to try and grow this as well um that's something else i'll be pushing for and just pushing for my job and like just being able to constantly learn and keep improving myself yeah. to be better than i was the day before mm-hmm that's kind of what happiness means to me. Okay. So, so like setting short term goals and achieving yeah. that, like sort of incrementally improving your life, like setting a short term goal, yeah. improving a belt or getting a job promotion or something. And then trying to meet that yeah. is, is the way that you motivate yourself daily and yeah. stay happy. You're, you're, you're yeah. working towards your goals. Yeah. And in a wider context, like the people in my life make me happy as well, but mm-hmm. I don't, um, I think if I start attaching my happiness to them, then it becomes problematic because yeah. um i don't think your happiness should be dependent on any one person yeah um because i think it's not fair on another person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, either if you start saying like my girlfriend or boyfriend is the reason i'm happy yeah then i think that sets a pretty dangerous precedent yeah it does. Right? um but my friends do make me happy. Mm-hmm. My family makes me happy. Like the people in my life, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, they do make me really happy. So I guess there is that as well. Yeah. Like, do you find that? Yeah, where... definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. P- people in my life bring me joy all the time. Um, but like you said, I'm, I'm not reliant on them to be, to bring me joy. People aren't perfect at the end of the day and there will be stuff that will let you down or make you upset mm. or whatever. And if you put your entire happiness rely on one set of people or one person when they do let you down or eventually like upset you in some way that can be a lot more drastic and you might have a lot more drastic reaction to it because you don't expect it because you're putting so much pressure on that um being perfect because you want it to be happy you want it to be happy and your happiness is reliant on that so you put so much pressure on that it makes one mistake or like an issue like much worse than it should um, or needs to be kind of thing yeah and you become very attached, like I said. You you don't you you don't want to let go because that's that's your source of happiness. It's like it's like an addiction. Yeah. It's like once you found a source of happiness, you're like, I don't want to let it go, no matter how bad it is for you. It's like you're just constantly chasing that happiness. Mm. That's one thing I remember actually when I was um, going through a tough time. I remember thinking like, oh, I just want to be happy. Like I just want to be happy. But then I, then then I remember reading around happiness and just thinking, stop chasing happiness chase life goals and then that happiness will follow kind of thing like set your set what you want to achieve and happiness will follow with that when you achieve these little things like you said you have these like little life goals and when you achieve those things happiness will follow instead of trying to be like what makes me happy i want to just do that for the rest of my life 
um, just constantly chasing happiness because happiness isn't permanent. Yeah. It will be very temporary and you can't chase happiness for the rest of your life. You chase individual goals and find happiness in, in, and joy in those things. That's the way I think I sort of changed my mindset. Oh, it's been it's been great, bro. Mm. Um, I think that's uh, well. Is there anything that you want to say before we wrap up? No, I just want to say massive thank you for having me on. No. Like I, I, I genuinely like it's so interesting how you seem to stimulate conversation. Like from like I said, I, I was talking to you about this before last yeah. night as well. I'm I'm not a talker. I'm not a big chatter. Um, but to have an hour, an hour and a half, or two hour long conversation with you, it just seems easy. Because you just naturally have this ability to like draw conversation out, which is which is an amazing talent that you have, I think. Um, yeah. So massive thank you to bringing uh, me out and having uh, a chat with me. <laughs> no, thank you for coming down. Uh, thank you for your nice words. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think that's it. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>